A peace to you be multiplied. Today we will remember those words that we perhaps know very well and have already affirmed them, but this will not be a waste for us to go over them again. As Peter says, although you know the truth, I will remind you of it, because only through this will the free path to the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ be opened. And today we will remember that inheritance that is found in the name of God, my rock. Because on Fridays, we are talking about the price that we need to pay in order to be clothed into this inheritance. Today, we will be reminded of the definitions of the Lord is my rock and its purpose. And I would like to start from that epigraph that Pastor always begins with on Fridays. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. And we, as partakers of the body of Christ, in order to share with Christ all that is written of Him in Scripture, we are being clothed into these truths and we are studying how we can receive the right in order to take off the old man, renew our thinking, and be clothed into the new man. And partakers of God's essence, we become through the acceptance of the great and precious promises of God. This is what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, Through this acceptance, as from God's glory, it is given to us all that is abundant for good life, through acknowledging the One who has sent us with all goodness. To us were given the great and precious promise through this glory and goodness, we are given these promises, and we know what promise this is. This is the adoption of our body. This is Christ being clothed or being reigned in our bodies. It is our new man who is born from God, grown and taking position in our spirit, our soul, and finally at the throne of our body, our lips. And furthermore, this great and precious promises so that through them we are made partakers of God's essence. But first we must take away, we must take ourselves away from the decay that is in this world. We need to separate ourselves from something. We need to take away or separate ourselves from decay. And we can't do this with our own powers. This is the great mercy of God that we sing about today. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Before Jesus was... Um, before Pilate, then Pilate had asked them these questions, Are you the king of Judah? And Jesus answered to him with this. He said, You are saying, 
I have come to testify of the truth so that whoever I come to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Another place of scripture says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And this truth is comprised of this commandment that we hear continually to set aside, to renew, and to be clothed. And we know that from discussing these three actions, to be clothed, to renew, and to be clothed into the new man will depend on whether or not we will turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or will we always lose our salvation. And this is a very important component. Those who forbid to know the truth, forbid to take off their old man, renew their thinking with a spirit of mind, and be called to the man, will always be slaves of sin, and will not hear the words as Christ had said, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. They will hear these words. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And we are studying the conditions in order to clothe ourselves into the new man, there are certain components uh, we also needed to have fulfilled to take off our old men and to renew our thinking with a spirit of our mind because this is the process of our life. That is why life is given to us so we can acknowledge this truth and we do acknowledge it. And as we know, in order to be clothed into the new man, we need God's help that is expressed in His mercy. And the means for accepting this mercy is prayer. And that's why we are studying the breastplate of judgment, and that's why we are clothed. And in such detail, Pastor is continuing to show us what this breastplate of judgment is comprised of. And talking about the breastplate of judgment, we're talking about the state of our heart, the state of our conscience. And with joy, I will read this psalm, uh, Psalm 143, in which David unveils the conditions on the foundation of which we can receive the mercy of God. We know that the mercy of God is the undeserved gift of grace. It is impossible to earn it, but it is, impo but it is necessary to accept it on the conditions that God offers us. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness... Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. This is that state which David talks about when he's taking off his old man. And we are going to feel this kind of distress that David had felt. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God.
Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And we know that in order for us to hear the loving kindness of God in the morning, as a result of our God-given redemption in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus, we are taught to pray so that God could hear us and we could hear God. A small little girl had asked me before, I know that God hears me, but why can't I hear Him? She was just a very young girl. She was perhaps five years old. She she knew for certain that God heard her, but she has not learned yet how to hear God. We know that for this we need to present God the legal basis or the right sealed on the tablets of our heart that are expressed in ten arguments that are turned into promises and commandments which we are called to mention to God as the contents of our heart. These commandments must be engraved on our heart. And we know that this is our conscience that we engrave these words on. And we write these commandments when we accept this word, when we are immersed into it, when we meditate upon it, when we begin to proclaim it. And in this manner, it is engraved on the tablets of our heart. We've started to talk about the second argument. This is evidence that in our heart is a remembrance of the works of God and all the works of His in His days, the days of the old. It's very important that we shouldn't just learn these to show someone else their knowledge. When we pray to God, we turn to this prayer. We can take these notes that we receive, these, this preciousness that is given to us by God through our pastor, and we can turn it into a prayer to God. Thank Him for what we have. And this is going to affirm us, and we are going to grow in the Spirit. And as we know, that the image of this evidence, a remembrance of the works of God in the days of the old, is that work of revelation that God has done in the days of old. He has redeemed us, or delivered us, and redeemed us from hell, from the vain life of our fathers. And we have seen this evidence in the breastplate of judgment in the priest who is who was who represented an intercessor who had the right to draw near to God in Christ Jesus and continually abide with him in communication. Our conscience again must be cleansed from dead works. And the breastplate of judgment is an image of the conscience of a person cleansed from these dead works in which abides Urim and Thummim, the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit as the Lord that reveals this truth, or the Master that reveals this truth. We know that this eighth precious stone that we're studying is a precious stone, a gate. 
And the name of God on this eighth precious stone is Asher. And we're talking about the breastplate of judgment. We're talking about the virtues that our spirit has. And according to the name Asher, which is the eighth principle that we are studying, we are continuing to study, is to become blissful captives of God so that with our prayer we can cooperate with the name of God most high. And we begin to look at the conditions that are contained in Psalm 18 of David in which the Holy Spirit reveals the requirements on the foundation of which we are called to cooperate with our prayer with the name of God most high. And we know that this condition is comprised of in our distress when we're going to take off the old man and this truly is going to be a distressful time so that in this time we can call out to the Most Highest, to our God, and proclaim the faith of our heart in who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are for God in Christ Jesus. And the pastor had said that this is the basis truth, the fundamental truth. It's the foundation that is necessary. First, we must place it in our heart, then we can proclaim it, who we are in Christ Jesus. I had learned this, and for some reason, um, it took me quite some time, and I had already had shared a testimony about this at Yucheka. There are other places of scripture I can easily learn, but for me to learn who I am in Christ Jesus, who Christ is in me, it took me quite some time, but now there is no day that goes by that I don't proclaim this. And this brings me great joy, because I see how when uh, Brother Zhenya was talking about this um, this poem that when we are clothed in the garments of Christ we are firmed in this and this is that foundation upon which our building will be built on and we've noted that this passage or this place of scripture that shows the cooperation of our renewed thinking in the face of King David And through the proclamation of the faith of our heart and who God is for us in Christ Jesus and who we are for God in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, God could receive the foundation to enter into battle over our earthly bodies so that He can destroy reigning sin in our body in the face of the old man with the power of His redemption and with a noise to always cast Him into the underworld. If we stop to study the second part of this psalm in which David unveils the contents um, or the contents of the eight names of God. And this contains our inheritance. Psalms 18 verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Here David mentions eight names of God. And right now we're talking about the name, the Lord is my rock. We've talked about the Lord is my strength. And the strength was contained in the power, the strength of God most high. 
in which he, with his word, builds up our new man and destroys all of the strongholds of death. And we are studying, and Pastor had always said, we are searching, or we are examining our lot, and the powers contain the name of God, my rock, which is like the nature of our Heavenly Father, and it is found beyond the compre comprehension of our human abilities. Our portion, or our inheritance, is in the name of God. And that's why we're studying it. We are studying it now, we, then we must take it. Many of us perhaps have taken it and we rejoice, and this repetition will just bring you joy. When we look at our inheritance that God has given us, and inheritance is the great mercy of God. It's impossible to earn the inheritance a person receives. Obviously, there are certain conditions one must meet. And I am reminded of when Moses, when he had led the people out of Egyptian slavery, when they had come to the mountain, when they had come to their inheritance where God had um, led them, where there was milk and honey, he had sent 12 elders of every tribe so that they looked at this land and we are looking and let this land they went and they looked at it it took them 40 days for them to look at it they ate of the fruit they brought um, a large grapevine a large grapevine so large that two people had to carry it they had brought figs pomegranates so that they could show how wonderful the earth is and they had said this is the land where truly milk and honey flows but 10 as we remember they began to spread gossip and what was this gossip comprised of it was comprised of the fact that they said that that they spoke about that which they saw with their eyes and not what God told them about um, Joshua, the son of Nun, and the other men with him, they said, No, we can enter it. This land truly is good. That which God has promised, we will go and take it. And we don't, it's not our battle. This is a battle of God. We're going to just stand and watch those miracles that God is going to do. If we just believe in them and we move forward, we move after the priest who represents God for us. But because they had resisted uh, God and they had spread this gossip, God became angry at them. And for this, they, for 40 years, had walked in the wilderness. They were already at this land of Canaan. They could have entered it. When they had left Egypt and they had come uh, to this land, it was it took approximately two years. God said, and then 40 years they had walked around this land not being able to enter it and only their children were able to enter into the land. That's why it's very important when looking at our lot, it doesn't mean that we have yet taken it. We need to believe in it. Then we need to take it, thank God for it, proclaim it. Thank Him that He had given it to us. Having this kind of prayer in which David proclaims his lot in the names of God Most High is a strategic teaching that is meant to be the mantle of kings, 
priests and prophets who are anointed as kings over their earthly bodies, which is their calling, which is our calling, our main calling. And as we know, a person who is not anointed to reign over his calling in the dignity of his earthly body, then this prayer that David um, proclaims here will not bring him any benefit. To be anointed to reign over our calling is to accept the promise about the adoption of our earthly body. And the firmness that we're talking about has no relation to the definitions that we can find in the dictionaries of this world because this firmness belongs to the property and nature of God. And we will t turn to the first question because right now, again, we're talking about the price, and we're going to go back a little bit and look at what this firmness is that is contained in the powers of the name of God Most High. And obviously, the first characteristics, the characteristic of an earthly firmness is one of the names of God Most High which is dissolved in the strength of God and comes from the strength of God. And the firmness of God affirms us. It affirms this firmness of God. The dignity of firmness is one of the names of God as well as one of the properties of His nature and characteristics. Psalms 89 verse 20 I have found my servant David. With my holy oil I have anointed him. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Psalms 89, verse 20 and 26. The phrase, The rock of my salvation, means the rock in which our salvation is weighed, on which our salvation is weighed. So, which means for us that we must affirm that salvation that we've accepted. If we do not take the inher if we do not take the inheritance that is the in this salvation, then we will lose it, like Saul did. And therefore, to affirm the salvation in us, which we have received as a gift from God through redemption in Christ Jesus, means to weigh us on the scales of justice, to in order to define our weight which must coincide with the weight of the commandments and statutes of God in which we abide and which abide in us. And if the salvation of God, shown in redemption from sin and death, is not affirmed in our heart with the powers contained in the firmness of the name of God, then God will not have any basis to show in our body the perfection of His works in the adoption and redemption of our body from reigning sin in the face of the old man, and to show us that all of His ways for the redemption of our body are good. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are justice. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. The beginning phrase of this psalm, I have found David my servant, means that David had presented his members as slaves of righteousness. And the phrase, He has anointed him me with holy oil, points to the thanksgiving of God shown to David because David had represented the members of his body over to, slaves un to be slaves unto righteousness. And first, to be anointed with holy oil, holy oil that serves as affirmation of our salvation, that he has given up his members, is the action contained in the right to dedicate ourselves as kings, priests, and prophets to anoint our oil 
our body with oil, to adorn us with oil, to be healed with the power contained in the holy oil, through oil, to be made impenetrable to the arrows of the enemy and with the oil to be protected from evil words. Second, anointing with holy oil in which a person represents the, his, the members of his body up to God as slaves of righteousness gives God the basis to create such actions in us such as to, then again, this is God's perspective. So after we have presented the member, our member, the members of our body over to slaves unto righteousness, God can then make a covenant with us. He will unite himself with slaves of righteousness into one whole. He will bind them with chains of love and clothe his slave of righteousness with powers of his name. If a person calls God his firmness but does not have the components of anointing, and the components of anointing are to anoint ourselves or to dig ourselves as kings, priests, and prophets, to anoint our body with oil. These are all parts of anointing. And after we have given ourselves up to being slaves of righteousness, these actions are necessary. If we do not have these actions, this is the result of the fact that we have given up our members over as slaves of righteousness, then this kind of a person will challenge the anger of God. Because a warrior of prayer, as we know, who has given up the members of his body over to slaves of, be slave of righteousness is always anointed by God. Whereas anointed man of God is not, is not always a warrior of prayer. And consequently, this kind of person, like King Saul, will not be able to give God the basis to affirm his calling that is contained in the adoption and the redemption of his body from the power of sin and death. And like King Saul, of course, he's going to lose it. Okay, this was the first virtue. It was comprised in the name of God Most High. The second dignity of firmness is one of the names of the Son of God as well as one of His properties that is inherent to Him as to God. So first was God the Father, and second was God the Son, Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. The phrase... A tried stone points to the fact how the strength of the Heavenly Father and the Son of God discovers itself in the firmness of the Heavenly Father and how the firmness of God flows out of the strength of God. So now, first we have strength, and then from strength flows firmness. And we must note that each time when we study and we are met with the powers that are contained in the names of God, we become partakers of these powers, because of which we are made responsible we are responsible of representing the interests of the powers of the name of God in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Considering that a tried stone, a cornerstone, chief cornerstone, that is presented by God 
Our rock in the face of Jesus Christ is placed as a foundation in Zion. It follows that God's chosen remnants has an organized partaking to the firmness of God that is contained in the essence of the Son of God. That's why the because Zion is the church of God. And he had placed this cornerstone on Zion or the stone on Zion. The phrase, he who believes shall not be ashamed, points to the fact that our uh, that our tested faith in the Son of God will be weighed on the scales of God's justice. We know that if we've accepted this, we have that inheritance that God gives us today. Third, the dignity of firmness is the word of God that comes from the mouth of God and the Holy Spirit who is the inspirator and the fulfiller of this word in the mouths of his messengers. Revelation chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. Believe out the outer court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. They will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he shall be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. And as far as we know, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are the inspirators and the fulfillers of this Word in the mouths of His prophets. And they are presented in Scripture as the union of two formats of wisdom. This is Urim and Thumbim that are united into one. It is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. But they act, and they act through the messenger of God. And the combination and the cooperation of the two formats of wisdom of the Most High and the dignity of Thumim and Arim are presented in Scripture in different images, each of which represent different purposes in the destruction of the power of death in the body of a holy person and the raising up of the power of life in this place. And the next dignity of firmness is an everlasting covenant that God has made with us in Christ Jesus in his death in the face of David. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 5. He has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? We know that the image of King David is our new man who has come to the full measure of the stature of Christ, who has the ability to reign over his body, over his soul, in the limits of this firm and secure foundation or covenant. Any of the property of firmness that yields the essence of the covenant and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ measures our relationship with God then the property of the firm covenant and the word immutable means that it could not be destroyed. When a person makes a covenant with God in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, he dies to his nation, to the house of his father, and to his corrupt desires, which gives God the basis to 
adopt our body with redemption in order to fulfill His will that is contained in His law with man, or in His covenant with man. And we know that there's two immutable things that go beyond the veil of the sanctuary. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. And these two immutable things we know is the truth about the blood and the truth about the body. This is that which is brought behind the veil of our spirit, born from the seed of the word of truth, the blood of the covenant and the broken body and the dignity of twelve breads that satisfy the hunger and thirst of God. And this everlasting covenant, ordered in all things secure, we know is in three covenants, the covenant of blood, salt, and rest, that we make with God in the baptisms, and only after which we could fulfill the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And the final, final goal of this covenant in its trinity is comprised of with the power of the law of spirit of life to measure in a person the dignities of a prophet, king, and priest and give him victory over the old man over which stand the organized powers of darkness. Hosea 13:14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Hosea 13:14. This unique prophecy that relates to the door of our hope, Apostle Paul, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, relates or speaks of the body of a person in which God had placed the obligation upon himself in the dimension of time with the power of the law of the Spirit of life to destroy in our body the power of death in the face of the old man with his works and replace it with the power of eternal life. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, so when our body has put on an incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 53-57 through 57. The next, the f- sixth a virtue of firmness. We remember again that we're talking about the inheritance that is placed in the name of God Most High. And again, we're talking about where this firmness is placed. It is placed in the Father, in Jesus Christ. It is placed in the Word of God that is inspired by the Holy Spirit in the mouths of the messengers of God. And it is found in a covenant that we have made with God. And now it's also going to be found in the church, in a living church of God, the living, the church of the living God, which is the pillar of truth.
First Timothy three fifteen. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you know how how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. And our partaking to the house of God is verified by our abiding in the order of God that yields in the house of God the order of the kingdom of heaven and the dignity of the great theocracy of God that discovers its expression in the functions of the order of the human body that is an image of the body of Christ. As we know, we have one head and we don't have two heads, we have one head and one body. If something is, is, um, happens in the head, our body will not function very correctly, and it's very unfortunate, very unpleasant when there's something wrong with the head. When the church also has one head. This is the order of God. The next dignity of firmness is the path of the Lord that is meant for the blameless or the upright. Proverbs 10.29 For the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The way of the Lord is the highway to a certain goal. And of course, in our thinking, we're thinking about a certain ways that are built, or paths that are built. There are in other countries, there, might, there may be paths made, through, um, made with asphalt or cobblestones, but the way of the Lord is the direction to a certain goal that God has placed for us. But the way of the Lord leads us again to the path of God. And along this way could exist less for material prosperity, and this can can prevent us from getting to the goal set for God. This path is laid out, and the snares of death may confront us in the face of the vain life inherited from our fathers. Again, we're talking about the ways of the Lord that lead us to the goal which we are headed to. This way is among could be among great distress. That's why we need to stay away from all of the from all of those who are wicked. And the way of the Lord is a factor of the weight that discovers itself in the sound of the trumpet that a person affirms. A person who knows and hears the sound of the trumpet in blamelessness before God. So, along this way stand watchmen that God has placed upon this path, and He has given them the trumpet. And we need to hear the sound of this trumpet so that we know where to go and how to go, so we can reach the goal. Otherwise, all of these different scary things, if we are, do not hear the sound of the trumpet, then there will be tragedy. Thus does the Lord stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. 
But they said, We will not walk in it. Also I sent watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. Therefore hear, you nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. That's why it's important for us to renew our thinking. That's why no one knows what we think about. No one knows the thoughts that are in man. It's written that the thoughts in man, so is he. If God is not there, many don't have God in their minds. And one of the very important components is to renew our thinking. Blessed is the Lord who knows the sound of the trumpet, who rejoice in all of your days. It are these two components in the dignity of the goals that God has placed for us upon this path in their striving toward this goal yielded in the sound of the trumpet are called to measure us on the scales of justice. And the next dignity of firmness is a person who has the wisdom that comes from above. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26.3 This is the seventh dignity. And a person who has wisdom that comes from above is going to walk along this path. He is going to be in the church. If we go back, we're going to see how he will be in a covenant with God. He is going to hear the words that God will speak through his prophets and he is going to be born of God. The firmness of the Spirit is gained in the obedience of a person to the commandments of God that are called to sanctify him by way of separation from his nation, the house of his father, and the corrupt desires of his soul. And therefore, the firmness of the Spirit is a supernatural ability in man to measure and weigh ourselves on the scales of justice. And therefore, a person who has a firm spirit is a person who is weighed on the scales of justice and it is found that he has trust in God that gives God the basis to keep this perfect person in his perfect peace. Trust in the Lord that comes from the firmness of the human spirit discovers itself in the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is defined by the wisdom of God that discovers itself in the firmness of God called to judge not by the sight of eyes nor by the hearing of our ears. The ability of the Son of God in flesh to not judge according to his eyes or according uh, or decided by the hearing of his ears is a firmness of the Spirit that comes from the strength of the Heavenly Father through which he could free people who submit to his word. He could free them from slavery unto death. John chapter 8, verses 6, 36 through 38. Therefore the Son makes you free, shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's servants, but you, descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have seen with your Father. These are the words that Jesus had said to the uh, Judeans who had believed. They had said, Our father is Abraham. They, and he had said, No, your father isn't Abraham. Your father is devil, because they did not want to hear the truth.
And truth is comprised in setting aside our former way of life, renewing our thinking with the spirit of our mind, and being clothed into the new man. The second question, what purpose in our, prayer, in our prayers is the property of firmness called to fulfill in the powers of the name of God Most High? The first purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to affirm us in the love of God in order to bring us to for us to be fulfilled with the fullness of God. That love that we're talking about on Sundays, it is that holy love that has nothing in connection with tolerant love. We are clothed into this love, and the firmness of God will affirm this, us in this love. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints that what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, they may be filled with all the fullness of God. And the fullness of God in the body of a person is defined by his organized partaking to the body of Christ which in the face of God's chosen remnants is the holy temple of God in which he has magnified his word above all of his name. Psalms 138 verse 2 Who worship toward your holy temple and praise for your name and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name. As we see, mercy and truth always go together. Mercy goes there where truth is. We're talking about how to accept this mercy. We need the mercy of God. We need the help of God in His mercy. And we can gain this through prayer. We're studying how to correctly pray. That's why we're studying what is contained in our inheritance so that we can turn it into a prayer. Because only through prayer can we gain this inheritance. And we need to place this truth as a foundation. Then the mercy of God will come. And a man of God who is filled with this kind of fullness of God, expressed in communication of God's chosen remnants with one another, becomes able to represent in the temple of our body, which is the house of God, the firmness of the interests of God on earth, in heaven, and in hell. And the firmness of this kind of representation is expressed in that a person is filled with all the fullness of God. He is going to be able to do the following. These are very interesting. He will have very interesting capabilities. He is going to be able to rule over himself. In those spheres that God has given him to be responsible over, he's going to be able to control and rule over the situations he's in or control the situations in thanks to this firmness that's in him because he's going to place himself above these um, circumstances. He's going to carry responsibility for the political structures of this world and at the same time he's not going to depend on them. And we carry responsibility when we pray for the kings and for those leaders that God has placed in our country. And this person is also going to be able to have the authority to control the organized powers of tar darkness in the face of his old man, as well as here on earth in the dimension of time and the boundaries of his responsibility, thanks to the firmness of God that abides in his heart. And these astonishing capabilities a person can receive only after being filled with the fullness of God that comes from the firmness of God, dissolved in the powers of all the names of God. 
And so, we must always remember that any name of God in the life of a person, apart from other names, cannot be legitimate. It cannot act. We need all of the names of God. Right now, we are studying the firmness of God that comes from the strength of God. And then we will look further. We won't need to go forward. We need to, right now, be clothed into this firmness. Oftentimes, People had asked me a question. What is contained in these names further? I would say, hold on, we're, we're talking about the second name. Let's stop here. Let's listen to what our fate is contained in these names. The people of Israel as well. In some places they had stopped for some time. In other places they had passed by quickly. We're going to go in the direction that God's going at the speed that he's going oftentimes the people of Israel wanted to hurry to do something hastily but when God told them to go somewhere and they were afraid of this because they were in the same direction as God and God turned away from them and he said go back God said go back and they said no 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 we'll go up on this mountain Moses said you don't want to these people said Oh, that's all right, we'll go, of course, and God was not with them. We need to walk through the path or along the way that God leads us. Let us take these words of prayer and thank God for them and not hurry ahead. That's why we need to redirect all of our energy to acknowledging our inheritance and the limits of the names of God. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 6. The next pur- purpose, the first, again, purpose of the firmness of God was to affirm us in the holy love of God in order to bring us to the fullness of God. The second purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to give us the properties of our refuge in God. So that our refuge is unshakable. Psalm 71.3 Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandments to save me. You are my rock and my fortress. Our law contained in the firmness of God is our ability to weigh and measure our trust in God so that we can be rid of all hope in the flesh. The next purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to discover itself in the ability to stand in freedom that Christ has given us and to not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. Only thanks to this firmness that is in our heart, we can stand in that freedom that God has already given us. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And we must place into our conscience the foundational discipline of the liberty of Christ. This is the essence of the freedom of Christ. The essence of the freedom of Christ is demonstrating the firmness of the name of God Most High, which is comprised of the fact that a person who stands in the liberty of Christ or the freedom of Christ, and in whose heart abides the freedom of Christ, is freed from sin and is impenetrable to sin. According to all of this written, the freedom of Christ is a kind of discipline that in worship to God yields the atmosphere of goodness and in the heart of a warrior of prayer brings out the fear of the Lord and joy and trembling before the word of truth. 
in psalms and songs and sermons. And I will allow myself to remind you what this freedom is expressed in or comprised of. The freedom of Christ that abides in us as the firmness of the Lord yields our absolute independence on the slavery unto sin. Second, the liberty of Christ is the, li is the power of eternal life that cannot be shaken and that does not allow any evil thought to penetrate it. Third, the freedom of Christ that abides in us and the firmness of the Lord is evidence of our origin from the seed of the word of truth. It yields our genesis that we have truly been born of God and have been made partakers of God's essence. Fourth, the liberty of Christ that abides in us and the dignity of the firmness of the Lord yields our hunger and thirst to show in our faith the slavery into righteousness that is called to stand watch on the boundaries of commandments that yield the holiness of the Most High that separate us from the creation created by Him. The liberty of Christ that abides in our heart and the dignity of the firmness of God points to our ability to withstand the organized powers of darkness. And this is done through our lips. It is called to withhold the power of hell. This is the door of our lips. And like David, we pray, Lord, place a watchman at the door of my lips and do not let evil penetrate it. The liberty of Christ that abides in our heart and the dignity of the firmness of the Lord not only withholds this um, this, this pressure from the organized power of the darkness, but it also exerts pressure on it. And we do this when we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In doing so, we apply pressure on the powers of darkness when we proclaim that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, when we proclaim the inexistent as existent. Abiding in the liberty of Christ is the mutual work of God and man in which God's role is that He has resurrected us in Christ Jesus in the in whose death we had died to sin, whereas our role is expressed in, we, in that we consider ourselves dead to sin, alive to God, and we proclaim this, and we stand in this. And the next component, the liberty of Christ that abides in our heart and the dignity of the firmness of the Lord, it is called to open to us a free entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. And therefore, the discipline of the freedom of Christ in the purpose of the highway that is called to reveal to us a way into the kingdom of heaven, if this discipline is distorted even to one degree, we are not going to end up to the goal set for us by God. Again, going forward, we're talking about the firmness of God. We're talking about the inheritance that is contained for us in the, the name of God, rock. And the fourth purpose of the firmness of God that abides in our heart is called to make... It's called to... 
keep our bow in strength. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arm of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your Father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors, up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. Genesis chapter 49, verses 22-26. It is thanks to the firmness of our bow, or firmness of his bow, Joseph could give God the basis to cover his head with blessings that surpass the blessings of the mountains and the hills. And we know that these blessings, God is revealing them to us today. The name Joseph means God shall multiply this name of Joseph contains our fate it means to unite us into one whole with something or someone to be united into one whole it follows that God, in the name of Joseph, God unites us with Himself. He makes us with Him, with Him, one whole. The first meaning of the verb, or uh, the ver the second meaning of the meaning of the name Joseph. To expand the lot or the portion of our inheritance. The reason why Joseph had inherited the portion that is contained in his name is contained in the frame. His bow remained strong. And the meaning of this phrase is comprised of the fact that before inheriting the portion of his name, the firmness of Joseph was tested and weighed on the scales of God's justice. Moreover, he called a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. It's written that the Word of God tested him. The image of a strong bull with which David pursued the goal said to him by God that God was the firmness of his faith. The bow is his faith, and the arrows were his proclamations with which he proclaimed the faith of God. And therefore, the strength of Joseph's bow 
was the firmness of his spirit in which God could receive the foundation to keep his heart in perfect peace. At his reign, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For, in the, for the Lord is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. And the blessings that Joseph had inherited and as a result of the proclamation of the faith of God that abided in his heart was the adoption and the redemption of his body from slavery into Egypt. The conditions necessary for accepting in our heart the faith of God in the dignity of a strength bow that is called to make the spirit of Joseph firm was the phrase, Joseph is a fruitful bow. And we already know very well that a wall is an image of perfection. And here it talks about the Word of God that Joseph had placed in his heart. And the Holy Spirit, who was Lord and who had revealed this truth. And thanks to this, he could have this firmness. This event of this passage has a direct relation to what is going to occur in the members of our body in which Joseph represents the new man who is born from the seed of the word of truth, whereas the image of his ten brothers who had hated him represent the law of Moses who discover in the body of a saved person reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works. Romans chapter 7, verses 22-25 through 25, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from, his, from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The next purpose of firmness that abides in the heart of a person is called to give a person the right to enter into the city of the mighty and bring down their trusted stronghold. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 22. And the image of a mighty city and the strength in which they trust in is the body of a person which contains the power of death in the face of our old man. An image of the mighty man who hope and hope in the power of death is reigning sin which we had received in the ministry of condemnation. The image of the wise person who enters into the um, strong city in our body is a strong person in the face of our new man. When we have this firmness, 
we will have the right so that our new man could enter into the body. At the, at the level at which he will grow, our mind will renew and he is going to reign in our body. So the new man is created by God in Christ Jesus. It's God His resurrection. It will clothe our body and it is going to reign in us. The next purpose of firmness that abides in the heart of a person is called to teach your hands battle and your fingers for war. Or to train your hands for war and your fingers for battle. How to fight with evil. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He subdues my people under me. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of the great waters from the hand of the foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words. The submission of our peoples living among our people could happen only through firmness in the Lord in which our hands must be taught for war and our fingers must be ready for battle. And in this manner, we, like David, must weigh and measure every word and every action of ours. which we have received through instruction and faith. We as kings, anointed as kings, must first look at these peoples and these foreigners in our own body. And the image of David, who was anointed to reign over Israel, is the image of our new man, anointed to reign over his body that has grown into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Israel, as we know, means warrior of prayer. And from this it follows that our new man, who has come into the full measure of the stature of Christ, is anointed to reign in our body in which worship to God in spirit and truth must occur. The image of our peoples, which we are called to subdue to our new man so we can worship God in spirit and truth, are the reasoning abilities of our soul that are lost in the death of the Lord Jesus and have then been lifted up in His resurrection, or rather, a renewed mind with the mind of Christ. The image of the foreigners living among our peoples, who we are called to destroy in the limits of our bodies so that we can worship God in spirit and truth, are the corrupt desires of our soul that come from the depths of the old man who lives in our body which is a programmable device of the fallen cherubim. As far as we know, we have inherited this this um, hellish programmable device through the seed of our forefathers, Adam, who had sinned against God at the Garden of Eden. When we hear that this is a hellish programmable device, we want to even more rid ourselves of it. When we when we, as Pastor has said, this is a hellish device that has come from the depths of hell. You have bound it, but we ask God for Him, for Him to hurriedly fulfill this, and we await for Him to fulfill this when, when what is mortal will be clothed into immortality, and what is corrupt will be clothed into into in corruption, and we will see this with our eyes. And God does not reveal this just because if He has revealed it 
It's the mystery that was hidden from ages and ages. It is revealed to us to whom God has favor to show the kind of riches that are that are in us in Christ Jesus. They are the riches revealed to us according to His great mercy. And the last purpose, and we will pray, the purpose of the firmness of God in our heart is called to be the firm foundation of God that has the seal. The Lord has known His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And considering that the firm foundation of God is a seal of God that is called the Lord knows His, it should follow that the image of this seal points to the dignity and weight of its carrier. And people on whom this seal is are holy unto the Lord. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, those people who have this seal, the Lord knows him and he, he leaves a seal upon them. This person has the immunity of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you are our Father. And I thank you for the privilege of being in your house under your shadow to be in protection. You are my strength and my salvation. I thank you. Blessed is the Lord, our firmness, who teaches our hands for war and our fingers for battle. You are our mercy and our refuge, our stronghold and deliverer, our shield, and we trust in you. You subdue our nations unto us, and I thank you for your strength. I thank you that your strength is contained in your word that destroys the firmness of evil, the firmness of devil in our essence. And it builds up the power of eternal life. I thank you for this great and precious promise that we ha have received and that we have been made partakers of your essence. I thank you for the right that you give us today to take off the old man with his works, to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind, and to be clothed into the new man, to be clothed into these garments of righteousness, to be clothed in your love, to be clothed into these double garments of righteousness. And death is not scary to us. We are not afraid of hell because we are kept in you. And I thank you that you are our God. Our firmness. I thank you that your firmness that is contained in you, in your Son, in your Word, that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, in the mouth, mouths of the messengers of God, in your prophets. I thank you for this firmness that is found in the covenant that we have made with you. Your firmness that is found in your church, 
that is the pillar of your truth. That this firmness is found in my heart as well. In my good and pure heart, I thank you that I have become I've, I have it. I thank you for this th firmness that abides in our hearts. Thanks to it, we can be affirmed in your love so that we can come into your perfection. I thank you for your firmness that abides in our heart and makes our refuge firm. Be your firm refuge to which we can be clothed in. You have given us power. Affirm that which you have created for us. I thank you, Father, for the firmness of you that is found and abides in our heart. And it gives us the opportunity to stand in your liberty that you have given us and to not depart. I thank you for your liberty, liberty from sin. We are dead to sin and alive to God because we are found in you. We are found in Christ Jesus and therefore we have your wisdom, your righteousness, sanctification, redemption. And today we rejoice in you because we know you. For you are the Lord who practices mercy, judgment, and righteousness. Practice your mercy, justice, and righteousness on our earth. I thank you for your liberty that is impossible to shake. I thank you that this liberty testifies of our origin from you. I thank you for the liberty of Christ that hungers and thirsts for your judgments. And today we affirm your judgments. May all those who resist your truth be destroyed. May all the enemies of the Lord be destroyed. I thank you, Lord, for your judgments. May they come upon our old man, and may he be with a noise cast into the underworld. I thank you for the promise at the door of our hope. You have proclaimed our body redeemed your temple, your house, your sanctuary, the territory of the kingdom of heaven. I thank you that you today have inhabited us, enter us. I thank you for this everlasting covenant that we have made with you and you with us. I thank you that thanks to your firmness that abides in our heart, we have this firm foundation that stands upon which there is your seal. The Lord knows His. And those who proclaim the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Today we have departed from iniquity and we thank you that today grace has reigned through righteousness to life. 
I thank you for the teaching of grace. For the grace of God has come for all men and it teaches us by denying lawlessness and lust, denying everything that is unclean, taking off our old man. The way godly live in this land, waiting for our trust. We await for our trust, which is to meet with you. And we wait for the coming of your glory. This adoption of our bodies. I thank you that before we meet with you, you will be you will reign our bodies into your you will reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies. Let our bodies be clothed in incorruption and our souls or our immortal souls be mortal souls be clothed to immortality. Death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? I thank you for victory, God, that you have fulfilled and we are found in you and that's why we are the carriers of resurrection. As in Adam all die, in Christ all shall live, everyone in their own order. I thank you for this privilege to carry resurrection in my body. And I thank you that you are in us and we are in you. And today you reveal this great mystery to us according to your great mercy. We've accepted this mercy today and we thank you. We thank you for the wonderful inheritance that you give us today. And we enter into this inheritance and with gratitude we bow down before you and we thank you that you are our God. Your spirit is good. Let us let it lead us in the land of uprightness. For your mercy, Lord. For your righteousness, lead our souls out of trouble and according to your mercy, destroy all of our enemies for we trust in you. For we are your servants and you are our God. We bow down before you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifest. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.